Well, good morning. It's good to be back. Uh, wasn't here last weekend. I don't know if you noticed. I wasn't here last weekend. I was out of town doing a wedding out of town. It was a great time. And then actually this weekend, I had another out of town wedding. Um, and so kind of back-to-back weekends. Weddings are great. Great celebration. The one last weekend wasn't even uh, friends from the church. It was uh, friends from my cornhole league. And I did their ceremony down in Cape Cod. It was always oh, fantastic. Uh, and then the, the, this one this past Friday. And one of the, one of the neat things about doing these uh, out of, you know, weddings outside uh, the walls of the church is I bring my faith with me. And I bring a message of, of love and the love of Christ, which is the foundation of our love for each other. And this uh, couple on Friday, they said, you know, we want a Christ-centered ceremony. I'm like, that I can do. And uh, Christ was right at the center, which... Uh, the cool thing is afterwards, though, at the reception, people are curious because these are people who may not ever go to church or haven't been in a long time. They've got lots of questions. And after sometimes after a couple drinks, they want to talk to the pastor and ask questions. And so it's really kind of a neat opportunity. Um, someone was asking, okay, tell me about your church. I said, oh, you with a free Christian church. Well, what kind of church is that? I said, uh, congregational. The person said, I don't know what that means. And I tried to describe congregationalism, which is probably not what this... It was, it was really clumsy and, and uh, not great. Like, Norbert was talking about trying to explain something that you know really well. Like, I know this church really well. I'm kind of an expert. And yet, I'm kind of stumbling, you know, what is... Tell me more about your church. I mean, I could tell you about our history. I could tell you about our location, our architecture. I could tell you about the style of music. Or, and then usually I just end on, you know what, we just really love Jesus. And we, we uphold the Bible as God's word. You know, that's kind of, those are probably two pegs I want to hang my hat on. But for somebody of uh, no faith background, you know, what does that even mean? Or somebody from a more of a fundamentalist background, that might sound very different. And then, or from somebody from a Catholic background, you know, it, depending on your background, how I describe what this is, is, and I always just say, just come, just come visit, you know, but... Um, we're spending some time this season really asking that question, you know, what is this? What, what are we really uh, as a church? So we're, kind of, we're calling this Discovering Church. Um, if you're new here or checking us out, this is probably a good question. Like, okay, I'm visiting this gathering of people. You know, what is at the center or the core of this? What is really your identity? So this is a good question for you. But also for you long time, for those of you who are long time members and attending here for years and years, sometimes this is just so natural to us that we forget really what the core of, of this is. You know, a couple weeks ago at the picnic, you know, everybody was there and the music and the beautiful day and it just felt so right. It just felt so vibrant and good. You know, church is just, it's just who we are. It's just what we do. I schedule my week around church activities and I, you know, this is just... But, but how, could I explain it to someone else? You know, what is this all about? So we're calling this Discovering Church, or really Rediscovering Church, embracing again God's design for us. This is no human institution. It's not like we have spiritual things and then the church is like a man-made thing. Absolutely not. This is God's design. And we live in a culture that's very independent and individualistic, and we value our individual rights, and that's great. But God's design is that we are interdependent. Uh, under his authority, called together as a people. That is God's design for us. So, you know, last week we looked at our life together as we gather into smaller communities and small groups and how we 
uh, encourage and push one another on towards love and to good things. Today we're going to take more of a bigger picture of, you know, what, what, what is really, what, what is our identity collectively together? This, uh, we're turning to this letter from Peter. He's writing, he's writing from Rome, and it's kind of the, the, sort of the central grouping there in Rome, and he's writing to these churches in Asia Minor, Asia, Asia Minor and they we're a group of churches that were really being um, persecuted and harassed because of their faith. And it was pretty bad, but it was about to get really bad for these churches. Um, they were about to face some really serious persecution. And the teaching to them was to remember their identity. And Peter's writing this letter. He doesn't say, you know, dear churches in Asia Minor, you, you are organizations that do this or that. You are an institution of this and that. He says, no. He says, you are a people of God. You are a spiritual building. You are a nation. You are heirs of God's promises. He gives them all these images and ways of understanding their core identity to help them withstand a very difficult season. So uh, for us, that's our hope, that we would just understand and, and rediscover who we are together. Let us pray as we begin. So Father God, as I do every day, I thank you for this church. I thank you for the free Christian church for these uh, amazing people that you've called, uh, called me to, to do life with and called us to one another to walk in your way. Lord, so help us to understand your design and your goodness in this uh, today in, a, in a maybe a deeper way, or a more meaningful way, Lord. So we just pray that you would teach us and guide us as we look into your word. We pray in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Okay, two images I want to... Uh, look at here from this scripture. The first image is the image of a building. It says, you are a building. Look at verse 4. It says, as you come to him, that's Jesus, as you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house. That, And again, this is one of the, the misconceptions is that, the, that a church is a building, um, but the church is a building. It, it, it just happens to be made up of stones that are alive. It's us. That it's God's people are the stones being built together into a spiritual house, essentially a temple. Um, you know, this church, you know, we own five buildings. So we own this building, which we love to gather and worship. Uh, the church also owns a parsonage where my family and I live. The church owns the parish house across the street. We've owned that since 2004. It's counseling space, spiritual direction space, small group space over there. Church also owns the Bell House, which was donated to us a long time ago. A couple years ago, it was ready to fall over. And it's been, uh, that's actually been rebuilt and renovated, and that's almost uh, ready for occupancy. Uh, so great project there. Now we also own this apartment building next door and 10 units of residential space there. We love our buildings. We, uh, they are valuable to us. They are great tools for ministry. And so we care for them. We want to take, you know, we want to um, use them well, uh, rehabilitate them well. We just rehabilitated this, uh, the rotunda room. I don't know if you've seen the improvements there with the new paint and carpet and cleaned up the, the dome and the paint up there. Do you know we found some stuff up there? It had been 22 years since we'd really been up there and looked around. There were some things that didn't surprise us. There were a number of balls up there, 
footballs, little balls. We had a machine at a VBS that would shoot balls into the air, and some of them never came down. They just kind of lived up there. <clears throat> we also found a bag of grapes. <laughs> Mostly raisins at this point, but that a young person had thrown enthusiastically up into the air, never came down. We also found a set of house keys. If you've lost your house keys in the last 20 years, you can stop looking now. We may have found them. How or why your house keys got up into the dome in the rotunda, I don't know. Please don't throw things up into the rotunda dome. It's not necessary. It'll be 25, maybe 30 years this time before we see them again. So make that part of your decision before you throw. But um, my, oh, but we uh, love that we can, you know, keep things maintained well and beautiful. Um, the project at the apartment building is. Uh, the extent of the renovations is much greater than we thought. The expense of the renovations, because of material costs and other reasons, is much higher than we had initially, initially forecasted. So the Lighthouse team and the Board of Elders were working together to try to figure out how to best finance the, you know, to finish that project. The cool thing is, because of the extent of the renovations, we think maybe that we'll be able to, to use it for ministry sooner than we thought. That we'll actually be able to renovate into ministry space the lower level. Potentially, we're kind of checking the feasibility on this. Um, and then we'll have also residential space, which in the future could be used for ministry usage, uh, ministry housing, which could be really cool. I mean, there's so many opportunities for us as a church with that project. So we're looking, how do we best, um, we might need to leverage one of our other properties to finance that, but God has blessed us with a lot of beautiful buildings. The most beautiful building that we have been blessed with is us. It's the people. That we are a building being built together. We are God's temple. God allowed his people to build him a temple. God doesn't need a temple. He doesn't need a house to live in. But he allowed his people in the Old Testament to build a temple where he could be experienced, where you could look at the temple and you could worship in the temple and see who God was. Now, now, under Jesus, we're that temple. As we go, people can look at us and they can see God. They can look at us and understand what God is about as we live out this way of life together. We are this beautiful building. Jesus Christ is the cornerstone of that building. He keeps us strong. He keeps us straight and secure. And it's, we have this vibrant connection to Jesus, the cornerstone. That's the image. Like other metaphors in Scripture where we are just so vitally connected to Jesus, we are the stones, he is the cornerstone. We are God's temple to show the world who he is. That's why it's beautiful, because we're not tied to this building. We, we gather here as a church, but when we scatter as a church, we go into the world to bless and to love and to serve people and to pray for people and to be a light in dark places as we scatter all over the Merrimack Valley and beyond as the church scattered. We are a beautiful building built on Jesus. That's the first image of who we are. The second image of who we are, so we are a building, the second image is the image of a nation. Look at verse 9. It says, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, 
that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Verse 10. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So back to verse 9. What kind of people are we? We are a chosen people. Just as God chose to reveal himself to the world through the nation of Israel and Old Testament times, now God is revealing himself to the world through us, his people. He has chosen us for that purpose. Not because we're better than other people, not because we've achieved something great, just because he, by his sovereign grace, he chose us. We're not a choice people, we are a chosen people. We are also, as it says here, a royal priesthood. That means we are a people. This is a monarchy now, if it's a royal priesthood. But we as people have a priestly role. What does a priest do? A priest connects people to God. So it is our role to point people to our great king. So we have a role to do. We are a holy nation. Meaning, the word holy, just it means set apart. That God has a special purpose for us. Uh, that we are a people with a purpose. What's the purpose? It's to declare the praises of him. It's to do what we do in the name of Jesus and in the way of Jesus, which points glory to God to show the world that there is a God who loves us and, that, and to welcome other people into this special nation of people. How do we live this out or how do we apply this? So in this season specifically, would love for us to apply this through membership in the church. And if you're not a member of this church, I encourage you to uh, consider that as a next step. We have the Discovery course, which is coming up in October. The registration for Discovery is, is now open, so you can go online and check that out. That's a place where we'll learn more about you know, how we do church together and, and why we do the things we do, and just to learn more about Free Christian Church and about becoming a member. Now, many of you are members of the church, and you have been for some time. We are in this season asking everybody to recommit their membership in the church, Re recommit to one another, a chance to say, yes, I still, um, I'm still in. I still am a member of this church. Um, now, I know a lot of people object to the notion of membership in the church or just membership in anything, we live in a world of people who hesitate to join anything. You know, some people just aren't joiners. Like, I'm not going to join. I don't want to get married. I don't want to join a club. I don't want to join a church. I'm just going to, I just want to leave all my options open. And I get that. Um, that's sort of the ethos of our day. Um, other people will say, look, the important thing is not that I'm a member of a church, but that I'm connected to God through Jesus, and I'm connected to his people everywhere, and that's the most important thing. But the local peace is not as crucial. And I would say I actually wouldn't pit those things against each other. Um, and the other thing is people say, well, I don't really see this notion of membership in the Bible. And the reason why people don't see the notion of membership in the Bible is because membership is a club word. Clubs have members. But you don't use the word membership to describe a kingdom or a nation. So you don't say, what's the membership of the United States these days? Like 300 million people or so, the membership. You don't do that. You say, what's the citizenship? 
of the United States and 300 million plus people. Um, you don't use the word membership to describe a nation. So if we are, because Jesus didn't come to set up a club, he came to establish a kingdom, and we are citizens of that kingdom. So clubs, clubs have a point of interest or common need, right? So I have a point of interest, you know, so I like to throw the cornhole bags. So I go to a cornhole club with other people with that same common interest, and we, we, we play this game together. Or a common need. So I am also a member of Triple A, an automobile club, because I have a common need to have my vehicle towed. And I drive a vehicle that's over 20 years old. I have a very high likelihood in this club of needing the services of the club to tow me off the, the streets of the Merrimack Valley. So churches have that too. We have common interests and we have common needs, but we have something more than that. We have a king who requires our, our obedience. Jesus is the Savior and Lord who died on a cross to save us and by his resurrection from the dead shows that he has authority over life and death and that he has the supreme authority. He is the king who demands our allegiance. And we are citizens of his kingdom. The Bible is much more interested in citizens of a kingdom than it is about members of a club. So when you look through your Bible, don't look for a club with voluntary membership. Look for a bound together people who are um, connected vitally to Jesus. Again, the image today is that we are stones that are built together on the cornerstone of Jesus. Or another image you'll find is a body that has lots of parts and it works together and moves together and Jesus is the head of that body. Or the image of branches that are fruitful and growing that are vitally connected to the one vine, it's Jesus. That's the image, that's the membership image that you should be looking for, much more of a citizenship than a member of a, a club. Now, of course... This nation that Jesus has made has no borders, and it has no land. So it becomes a, um, that's kind of a tricky thing. How do you know who's, who's a citizen and who's not? And Jesus actually predicted this in Matthew chapter 7. He said, not everybody who says, yes, I'm part of this kingdom, not everybody who says, yeah, I'm part of this nation is actually part of it. That's where the local church has a role to play. The local church is like an embassy. So think of an embassy. An embassy represents a nation inside of a foreign nation. It, it serves and, and represents the interests of its citizens and of the home nation inside of the host nation. So if you are a foreigner and you're traveling and your passport expires, you have to go to the local embassy. The embassy can't make you a citizen the embassy can only say, can affirm that you are a citizen, and they can, they say, yeah, so uh, here's your, you know, here's your new passport. So basically, a church member is somebody who walks through the doors of the church and says, hey, I'm a citizen of, I'm a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. And we say, oh, um, oh, I see your records, I, I see your credentials, here's your passport. You have all the rights and responsibilities of a, of a, member or as a citizen of the nation, and in, and in that very moment when you become a citizen or what we call a member, then you have the same rights as anyone else to be part of other people's 
journey to affirm and to um, encourage and to be part of this nation. So a church member is just simply, it's a person who's been officially and publicly recognized as a Christian. That's why our process is basically, are you a Christian? Like here's, the, here's the summary of Christian belief, our statement of faith. Do you agree to this? And how did you become a Christian? Tell me your story. And if you can do that, then we say, yeah, you're one of us. We're in it together. That's what we mean by membership. So it's important. And there's a, a bunch of benefits to that. We'll talk more about that in the weeks to come. But So you know, I do encourage you to, uh, to either consider that as a step in your journey or to, we're going to give everybody who's a member of this church an opportunity to reaffirm their membership. Why would we reaffirm membership? Well, it's a lot like the renewal of a, a marriage vow. Remember last year in February, we had um, Valentine's Day was on a Sunday. So we said, let's have an opportunity between services for couples who want to renew their marriage vows to do that. And we were ready for a handful of people to come. It was 30 couples who came. And it was in a, like the pandemic was a little hot right then. People came just for the renewal of vows and said, we're going to go watch church at home. You know, but they came in just for that, 30 couples. And that's a really almost more beautiful than when couples get married and exchange their vows. Because you can say, say you've been married for 30 years. You say, you know what? I'm still married to you 30 years later. Not just because I'm stuck with you because I made a vow before God and witnesses that I would not leave you. But I'm making that vow again. I'm renewing it. I'm saying I, even today, I would make those same vows again today committed to you. And it's just a beautiful expression of love and reaffirmation. And for us, as we think about who we are in the church, we're giving everybody a chance to say, yes, I reaffirm my commitment to let's be God's people together, committed to one another and living it out in our world for him. And that's just a great opportunity. There's long tradition. Congregational churches like ours have long traditions of uh, reaffirming uh, their membership agreements and covenants to each other. And it does, we've just never done it here, and we just want to take this opportunity. Um, I don't know why we haven't, but we're going to give an opportunity for that to live, uh, you know, recommit to live as citizens together. Not members of a club, but to be bound together uh, as God's people. From a practical standpoint, uh, there's a, a few considerations too. One is that we updated our statement of faith. We didn't change it, but we kind of fleshed it out a little bit. So back in April, we all voted together unanimously as members to accept that new revised statement of faith. And so we want to make sure that everybody who's a member of the church still agrees with that statement. So you'll have a chance to say, yes, I still agree with this. Also, you know, post-COVID, a lot of people... Uh, moved and have gone different ways, and we just want to have a chance where we can connect with every single member of this church to say we are uh, still committed to one another, to have an individual point of contact. So keep an eye on your email and your mail mail over the um, next weeks, and you'll get a chance to to do that. Uh, we'll make sure that we, we're in touch with everybody on that. Um, We also, as a family, we want to communicate well with each other. It's one of the things we do to live this out. So it gives you a chance also to get us, you know, if you have new information or new ways of communicating, we can keep those things up to date. But really, the beauty of it is to say we're committed to living this out. And then you know what we get to do? We get to live it out. We get to 
we get to get up every day and remind ourselves that, yes, I'm a, I'm a foreigner in this land. I don't just live under the authority of this country that I live in. I also live under the authority of King Jesus, but he has good plans for me. He has good plans for what I'm going to do today, whether I'm gathering with other members of my nation or I'm going to go out into the world and just shine that light. You know, we are people who declare who he is through our words and our actions. We, um, you know, we, we represent Jesus as our king and we live under his good way and his good laws and we encourage our fellow citizens and we give the glory to God and we call other people to do the same. We get to live that out every day. Let us pray. God, we live in such an individualistic world and we, we value our independence and all that we have in that regard, but we submit to you, God, as a great king. We thank you, King Jesus, that you were despised on the cross, that you were cast out, that we might be brought into this new family, this new people, this new nation. And I pray, Lord, that we would genuinely go from this place and just shine that light to encourage those who need it, to, um, to bring healing, to bring forgiveness, uh, to bring your love everywhere we go, Lord. We pray your blessing, and we thank you that your Holy Spirit is with us as we do that, Lord. Be glorified in us, your people. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.